Good morning. Welcome to my confusion of, of Danny Ray and Danny Thompson. And yes, definitely confusion. Uh, there have been many times I'm on the road with my wife and they're like, Mrs. Ray, come this way. And she's like, who is that? Uh, so it's Danny Ray Thompson. So take out the confusion. So we're in this series right now, Be Fearless. Super excited about this series and how God's going to use us. Uh, I've I've had the privilege of of traveling around the the world, as many of you know, doing illusions. But also, one of the things I do are escapes. And a few years ago, um, I was able to do be a stunt double for Adrian Brody for the History Channel uh, for a Houdini special they put on. But since I was in eighth grade, I started doing escapes. My first dumb escape was um, have my friend duct tape me and see if I could get out. Bad idea. I got out. Uh, so, uh, but I, I've, I'm not saying these are the brightest things. I'm not recommending them, but I've been buried alive. I've done a Russian roulette routine. I've done um, this straight jacket routine. I did this one, I believe, um, last time I spoke on Fearless, which you'll see this is kind of part two. Um, I tried to hang myself once. Okay, a uh, little underwater escape, right? Uh, this one I did um, probably more than any other escape. And there was one particular time I was attempting to get out, and it didn't go right. So let me, I'm going to share that with you. And so this is this underwater escape. I'll go back for a second. So I'm doing this underwater escape. I've done it a um, hundred plus times at this point. I'm in New York, and I am under the water, and I can't get out of the first handcuff. It's terrifying when you are underwater and you can't get out of a handcuff. Here's what happened is the night before, I I um, performed in California and my family was there. And instead of focusing on the handcuffs, I'm thinking about my daughter and my son and my wife and I'm not focused here. And so for the first time, I literally had the only communication I have with Jeremiah, who is the only person I trust with my life. That's a true statement, including my wife who tried to kill me and electrocute me doing, and I am not kidding, when you see all this water coming out, she kicked open our well that we create on stage to hold the water, and it literally went into all of the electrical outlets. Um, so no, I will not let my wife ever put me in um, underwater again. She's more interested in me dying. Okay. <laughs> He's like, she can't, he can't do it on his own. I'll help him. Okay. So but when you're underwater, right, your only communication in that situation is take your handcuffs and hit them against the metal and hope that Jeremiah, the guy who was locking me in, hears me. And so I, I'm clicking as hard as I can. And then he unlocks. There's six locks on the outside. He unlocks. And he's like, hey, what's going on? And I'm like, I, I just can't stay focused. And I'm talking to him. And he's like, do we need to call? I'm like, no, I, I think I could do it. He's like, well, uh, you need to get focused. Are you ready to do it again? Or do you want me to call? I'm like, no, let's do it. And so I go under again. And um, he starts to lock me in. But here's what I'm thinking about this time. First lock. Okay, am I going to be able to get out? Second lock. Okay, third lock. And then I'm like, this isn't good. I need to call it. No, I'm going to start to get out of the handcuffs. Why am I not getting out of the handcuffs? And so fourth lock, I hear it. Fifth lock, I hear it. I'm like, I'm in trouble. And so I'm not out of any of the handcuffs again. I start to to hit against the wall. Jeremiah could start to hear him unlock. When I was training to do this, which would have been years before, there's a space of about a centimeter or two between the lid and the water that it's not... 
the ideal position to be in. But if you could get up, you could get um, a little bit of air. But what was happening was the water was splashing over the top. So I started to swallow water and I could hear him unlocking and I'm in full panic, right? And he, he gets the last one out. He pulls me out. He's like, Danny, we need to call this. And I, I called it. I'm like, I can't do it. First time on stage I've ever like literally like failed and it's just over. Like there's nothing I can do, right? Here's what happened is I'm standing at the back like I normally do. People are like, yeah, great job, great job on, on the way out. But people this time, they were like, that one with the underwater escape, thank you for, for doing it like that. Nobody ever does that. Everybody always gets out. But the way you did it where you don't get out, that was crazy, you know. Um, they're like, that's my story. I never get out. I always fail. But hearing how you can overcome even, I'm like, what? I wanted to get out, right? Um, God could use your failures, right? Even when we feel like there's no way God's going to show up, God shows up. And we have all these fears that stop us from becoming the person that God's designed us to be. But God has you in his hands and he wants to do extraordinary things in and through you. Even in the midst of your failures, God could use you. So last time I spoke, I think it was a year and a half ago, could be two years ago, I spoke on um, being fearless. And I want to like try to take this message in like five minutes for you and, and remind you of where we've been with this. How many of you know you were here last time? I gave away a bookmark um, that said, yes. Do you still have the bookmark out of curiosity? My wife has it. In, I, I don't have one anymore, but she has it in a book. Okay, so somebody else. Okay, so I will give you a synopsis, okay? So here it is. It says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So this is the first thing. It says, fear not, right? And we're like, ah, we're afraid. We have these fears that creep up, right? But it says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So this is, you know, could be a little discouraging because if we know anything about flock or sheep, right, they're dumb. And Jesus says, look, fear not, you're a little dumb. Thanks, Jesus. Um, so fear not, you're, you're a little flock. Um, but here's what we know. If we're his flock, then who's he? He's our shepherd, right? God is our shepherd, now, if God is our shepherd, we might be small, but he is big. So we don't have to worry about trying to make ourselves into something we're not and make ourselves bigger than we are, right? We just have perspective. Like, I'm small, God's great. He's going to do great things in and through me. So God's our shepherd. Here's the other thing that this little verse, Luke 12, 32, shows us. It shows us that the shepherd, right, um, little flock, he's our shepherd. And if um, he's a father, right? And then if he has a kingdom, he's a king. So he's our shepherd, he's our father, he's our king. Right? So so when it says, fear not, he doesn't say, good luck, fear not. I'm not going to be with you. No, he says, fear not. Here's why. I'm your shepherd, I'm your father, I'm your king. Okay. Isaiah 41.10, and we're going to tie these two verses together. Remember, this is not the message. This is just like a review. So don't, no. <laughs> so hang with me. Here we go. So uh, Isaiah 41.10, don't be afraid, right? For I am with you. Don't be discouraged. For I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. 
So what does God say again? He says, don't be afraid. But then he gives us why. Here's why you don't need to be afraid is I am with you. I'm with you. We get discouraged, right? He says, no, 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 don't, don't get discouraged. Let me tell you why you don't need to be discouraged. For I am your God. Not just any God. I am your God. And what am I going to do? I am going to strengthen you. And I am going to help you. And I am going to hold you up. That's what God wants to do. So fear not. I am with you. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. And I will hold you up. These first two, they tell us who God is. And these second three tell us what God does. Okay? So let's put these two verses together. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you and hold you up with my victorious right hand. So this is the picture we get, is we get that God is our shepherd. He's our father. And let me back it up. Uh, I can't see what you guys are seeing. Let me see if if you can see it. Um, yeah, so you can see, um, he's our shepherd, he's our father, our king, right? And the shepherd's going to strengthen you, the father's going to help you, um, the king is going to hold you up. There is no situation you're in that the shepherd can't guide you through, right? There's no heartache you have that the father can't hold you in, right? My favorite verse is Deuteronomy 33, 12 that says, let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him for he shields him or her all day long. The one the Lord loves rests secure between his shoulders. As God holds you, he protects you. He's our shepherd. He's our father. He's our king. So these are this is, this is where I, I was, okay? This is um, a year and a half ago, right? And this gives a little bit more of what, what God is, who God is, what he does. But I want us to ask this question today. Wh- what do we do when we're afraid, right? And even better than that, what does God want us to do when we're afraid? And so I, I want to look at, uh, I want to look at this, this Psalm, uh, Psalm 56.3. Okay, Psalm 56.3 says, when I am afraid, it doesn't say if you're afraid. It doesn't say you, we, we will all at times be afraid. So it says, when I'm afraid, what do I do? I put my trust in you. It's powerful. When we're afraid, what do we do? We put our trust in God. It's easy to put our trust in a lot of other things. David talks about putting trust in chariots, putting trust in armies. But then he says, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to put my trust in you, God. When I'm afraid, I'm going to put my trust in you. So this is the one word I kind of want to hang on to today is trust. Is how do we put our trust in God? Right? How do we put our trust in him? Right? We could trust a lot of things in money in our job, and other things that we might think make us secure, right? But do we put our trust in God? Do we put our trust in him for everything? He's the only one who's going to be able to take us out. So this trust, we also have to realize, who do we trust in? And I want to point out that, but first let me give you a definition of trust. Okay, 
Put simply, it's this. It's a confident belief in something or someone. So for example, right? I, I looked for this today, but I didn't see it. I didn't see anybody go, let me check the integrity of this chair, right? Let me make sure that it's sturdy. Yeah, that's feeling good. And then you sit down, right? Everybody, nobody thought somebody was setting you up to like trap you so that you're going to fall, which could be a good idea. No, uh, but you just came in, you sat down, right? You put your confident belief that this was going to hold you up right? Do we do the same with God? Do we trust that he's going to be the one to hold us up? That we trust in him? So if we're going to be fearless, we need to put our trust in him daily. Everything we have, trusting in him, right? And who is it that we trust in? It's the alpha and the omega, right? He's the beginning and the end. He's the creator of everything. He's the wonderful counselor. He's a great provider. He could provide for all of our needs. He's the one who loves us. He says that he is love, right? He's the God of all hope. In in the book of John, you're given seven I am statements from, from John about who God is, that he's the great I am, right? And so Jesus says these things about who he is as the great I am. He says, look, I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the gate. I'm the vine. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the way of the truth and life. And who is Jesus all of these things for, right? He's the bread of life for you because he wants to sustain you daily, right? He's the light of the world because he wants to show you the way. These aren't just things that he says, look, I am. He says, I am for you. I am with you. I'm going to help you. But we have to trust when we are afraid, we put our trust in him, right? So we have to trust in him. Let me, let me give you a picture of this. Let's, let's imagine for a second. Maybe not everybody has, uh, has problems where they have to see a counselor, but I've been a number of times to counseling. Uh, my wife and I have been to counseling together, right? When, when you have something going on, you go see a counselor, right? And usually, um, there's some sort of interview that happens either with them or now like online or finding out from other people. And you sit down, you look, you're like, okay, this guy, uh, you know, so imagine you're, you're sitting down, you're, you're going to interview a couple people and, or at least look at their, their record. You look at this person, you're like, okay, she went to Harvard. She's, you know, developed all these theories on helping um, couples or help whatever your situation is. Man, she looks like she'd be fantastic. You look at the next person, right? You're like, ah, this looks great. Look at the next person. You're like, oh, this is hard. And then you look at God's qualifications, right? Look at his qualifications. And he says, look, I'm a wonderful counselor. You know, there's this one time, this guy, he was stuck in with some lions and I shut the mouths of those lions, there was one time this whole army, they were afraid of another army. And, you know, I opened up the Red Sea and I swallowed their enemies. You know, it wasn't a bad day. Uh, you know, there's this time, you know, where there's all these people, they were hungry. And I, I fed 15, 20,000 people. You know, there's this other time this guy was dead and his family was really sad. I, you know, I raised him up. 
You know, I've created a system, and it's uh, called P-R-A-Y, you know, it, um, for the slower crowd, P-R-A-Y. Uh, <laughs> it works anywhere on earth, under the earth, actually anywhere in the universe, the known universe, the unknown universe, doesn't matter. It's always 100% clarity. There's never, uh, can you hear me now? Can you hear, always hear you. You see, I'll be with you wherever you go. It's not an hour appointment. I'll be with you. Sounds a little creepy at first, but when you realize that I am for you, I will be there to help you, to hold you, to take you through, right? It's pretty amazing as a counselor what God wants to do. Not that we don't seek other people to go along with us, but God wants to take you through. He wants to be your counselor. So we have to know we could trust in him. So Isaiah 26.3. This could be a little confusing at first, so I'm just going to point out these three words here all represent who God is. These um, two represent who we are, the the him and the he. So now I'm going to read it. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Okay? So first part is, You keep him in perfect peace. How many of you would like perfect peace? Come on. All right. So we want perfect peace, right? But watch what needs to happen is our minds, whose minds are stayed on you. That our mind doesn't just stay on the problems and go, look how big my problems are. They stay on how big God is. And then we realize how small our problem is in comparison to how great God is. It's not to say your problems don't matter. They're, they're, they might not be big if you look at it, right? But if you look at God and you look at the one who can help, you're going to see that your mind is going to stay on him. And as your mind stays on him, he'll walk with you and help you to navigate that situation. In the last part of this, it says, because he does what? He trusts in you. So really to understand how this verse operates in our life is we always want to start at the top, but God needs us to start at the bottom. Okay. This is where we start. We trust in God, the one who is able. When we trust in him, we can move to our mind and go, because I trust in who God is and I'm soaking my life up with him and I'm absorbed by him and I'm fascinated by him and I love him and he is everything. And for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, he's my everything. And so I soak my life up in him. And so my mind stays on him. And as my mind stays on him, I will have perfect perfect peace because he's the one who will keep me in perfect peace. And then when we go, things are out of control and we forget, we go right back to trusting in God, putting our mind on him and him giving us peace. And then we freak out again and we trust in him, right? It's a process. It's daily, sometimes by the hour, sometimes by the minute. It's not just like, oh, I trust in him. So now I have perfect peace. It's a daily battle and we struggle It's not going to be easy, right? There are fears that are very real in our life, right? But it's kind of like the disciples, right? They're like, well, we have, uh, I guess, five loaves and two fish and Jesus, and Jesus, right? Um, We have five loaves, two fish, and Jesus, so we're going to be all right. Put it together with any problem you have. Well, I've got five bills, $2 and Jesus, right? 
You don't have to like go, well, I've got nothing. No, you have Jesus. He's everything we'll ever need, period. He's got us. He's our shepherd. He's our father. He's our king. He's the one holding us up. He's the one guiding us through. He's not going to abandon you and say, well, and here's the beautiful part, right? Is um, in Habakkuk, it says, you know, God, would you provide for me? And it says all these things that he prays that God will provide. But he says, even if you don't, we're still going to praise your name, right? God's not like on a string where we get to pull the strings and say, God, you do this. And if I pray this, I get this, right? No, God could do whatever he wants and we will praise his name because we trust that he knows the outcome. So if our situation is we just got a call from the doctor and we have cancer and we don't know what to do, we have Jesus. Christians have insomnia, Christians have fears, Christians have anxiety, Christians have every problem everybody else does, but we have Jesus, right? We don't follow Christ. He says, I'm going to wipe away your problems. He said, no, no, no. In this world, you will have trouble. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't lie to us, right? Thank you that you told us in this world, we will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world, right? God's overcome. So we have perfect peace in him. We keep our mind on him. We ask him for that peace daily. We ask that we trust in him more, right? That he would increase our faith so that we could have our mind on him. So putting these two verses together, you get this. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, right? Not if, but when. And so to trust in you, I need to put my mind on you. And when I put my mind on you, God will give me peace, right? So when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. My mind stays on God. God keeps me in peace. I love the way Max Lucado, uh, he wrote a book. I think it's just called Fearless. And I was reading through it and kind of preparing for this message. And I came to this and I went, this is so good. It says, fear creates a form of spiritual amnesia. It dulls our miracle memory. Isn't that great? Like, not the, not the reality of it, but just like, I don't want to forget. But it's what happens, right? When we have fear, it we get all caught up in the fear instead of getting caught up in who God is. And it makes us forget all the things that God has done in our life, right? That you've seen God provide in miraculous ways. You've seen God love you when nobody else would. You've seen God show up. And we forget when we get in the center of fear and that becomes our world, we forget all these great things that God has done. So practical ideas. How many of you guys are like, journalers. You, you journal thoughts, ideas. I've journaled since I, I, I became a Christian at 17 years old, and I had never journaled before, but that, that year I started writing down prayers and thoughts and ideas and things I was reading through. And so literally now I have hundreds. I don't know what to do with them. If you guys want to have like a burning party, I don't know what to do with them. Um, but I have hundreds of these journals. I'm like, ah, oh, you can't really give these to Goodwill. Um, nobody wants those. Uh, so, but every once in a while, I'll flip through there and I could see all these things that God has done 
in my life. Great memories of how God has used me or great memories how when I was lonely or broken that God would show up, right? So I would challenge you, write down something. It doesn't have to be big. It could be a sticky note of like, God, I want to thank you that you provided for me in a miraculous way today by doing this, right? And then you could just have that. And maybe when you're struggling with something, you open that up and you go, God's a great provider, right? You have to, we are going to have amnesia. We're going to forget, right? God doesn't say it over and over again, fear not, fear not, because we don't forget. It's because we forget. Um, the number one promise throughout all the scriptures is that I'll be with you. Why does God have to tell us over and over again, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to be, because we forget, right? We have spiritual, as soon as the problems seem big, the fears enlarge, and then we forget how big God is and how great he is. So if we're going to be fearless, we've got to create ways of remembering what God has done. It could be a video. It could be anything that helps you in life to intersect at some point and go, wait a minute, God's bigger than whatever situation I'm in right now. This is the way in the book of, actually, let me, let me skip that. Um, so here's, here's this. Trust fears and faith disappears. Right? So if you begin to trust that your fears are true, I thought about doing this, but my wife was like, don't do that. People will literally leave. Um, I thought about asking somebody, is anybody um, afraid of snakes? Like have a fear of snakes, right? Um, and then Candace, I was going to take out a box and walk towards you. <laughs> um, and yeah, but I didn't do that. This is why I have a wife. She protects me from those things. So, um, even though there wouldn't have been snakes in there, right? The fear, even when the fears aren't a reality, those will drive our outcome because of what we're thinking, right? Is we need to begin to put different things into our life so that we could experience a different outcome, right? If we trust our God, if you trust your God, you're, I need to rewrite that. Trust your God and fears, I guess it works, okay. Um, trust God and your fears will disappear, Right? As you trust in him, your focus is on him, your mind is stayed on him, your fears will begin to disappear. Okay, so I want to give you an example, and then I want to try to do something together as a group. This example, I, I read it to Spencer yesterday. He's like, Dad, it's just too long. I'm like, son, if we just go to this verse, and he's like big about context. He, I'm like, if we just go to this verse that everybody always goes to, we don't we won't realize how difficult Jeremiah had it. This is a guy who's a prophet of God, who loves God, who is desperately struggling. And this is a synopsis of these verses of chapter three, verses one through 24. I'm not going to do all 24 verses, but it says, look, I'm a man who has seen affliction, right? He's not somebody who doesn't know affliction. He knows affliction. I cannot escape right? My chains are heavy. Though I cry out for help, he shuts out my prayer. This is how he feels. It's like God is just shutting out my prayers. I've become a laughing stock to all peoples, right? He's just like, everybody's laughing at me. This one's gritty. He says, look, my teeth grind on the gravel and has made me cower in ashes. Like this is a horrible 
picture, like just getting dragged along by your teeth, right? My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. This is a man that loves God that is deeply struggling. Doesn't see where happiness is. Talks about in other verses him being bitter. Just like this weight. Then says this. But, right? He says, but. He says all of these things. That, like my teeth feel like they're being grinded on the ground by gravel. That is not. That is like a, a difficult picture to imagine, right? He's like, I've lost happiness. I've lost hope. But all of this. But I call to mind. Remember how we talked about we trust in God, we, we put these things, our mind stays on him. I call the mind and therefore I have hope. So all of those other things are real things that he's feeling, but those don't get to dictate the outcome. This dictates the outcome. This I call to mind and therefore I have hope. And he gives, he gives these five things. You'll be familiar, most of you will be familiar with this. It says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. So five of them, five. The steadfast love of the Lord never fails, never ceases, never stops. His mercies never come to an end, never They are new every morning. We could count on that. They're going to be new every morning. Great is God's faithfulness. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He's never going to change. He loves you. Fifth, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will hope in him. This lamentations, sometimes we jump to this And we don't realize the context of this is this guy is suffering and is desperate for God, but he's lived with God. He knows God. And so he recalls in his mind, wait a minute, but I call the mind and remembers God's goodness. So this is what I want to do as a, as a group is I'm going to have you turn to a neighbor in a second one, two, three people. And I want you to ask this question. If we're going to, I love Isaiah, it says, stop doing wrong, learn to do what's right, right? Is we need to do three things. We need to take an inventory of like, what are the things that we are putting into our mind, right? There are things that that we probably need to remove from our mind. And then we need to figure out what are the things that we need to stop and what are the things that we need to start. A friend of mine, Joe Castaneda, he preached here I think maybe a year or two ago, um, and love this guy. When his son, AJ, who's 17 now, was just a baby, he loved getting up in the middle of the night to um, walk his son because he loves ESPN. Um, so he would walk his son and watch US, um, ESPN, right? He loves sports, just period. Doesn't matter what the sport is, but he's like, Danny, I realize that something went wrong when in the middle of the night, I'm kind of hoping that AJ will wake up so I could hold him, turn on ESPN and watch. And he's like, on this particular night, um, AJ, Aaron didn't wake up. Um, but Joe got up anyhow 
because he wanted to watch the finals of a dart tournament. He's like, Danny, I knew I had a problem at that point. Um, and so he took inventory and he went, ESPN is not good if I'm watching dart tournaments in the middle of the night. Like something's gone wrong, right? Um, and to this day, so it's been about 16 years, he doesn't watch ESPN anymore in his house in his house. Um, so it's not that he'll never watch, but he's taken that off because he knows that, that he had an unhealthy amount and he was like, I need to stop this so I could make healthier choices. Right? So it's not that it's wrong. It's not that he never does it, but it's what's the inventory? What are things that we need to stop and what's something we can start this week? That's the question I want you to turn, maybe take 15, 30 seconds and ask a neighbor, what's something you could start or stop? There it is. Go. I know it's uncomfortable. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop us. Uh, you could continue those conversations maybe in the car, and I'm actually gonna have a couple people. If you're up for it, just share maybe something that your your group or you personally, if you're willing to share that. Sometimes sharing our stories or making commitment publicly helps us to really live those things out. Uh, here's here's what I want to say though is if we don't take an inventory and. And we don't choose to say, I want to have my mind stay on you, Lord. Help me to do that. Then we're going to keep going about doing the same things. And fear's still going to capture our hearts. And we're not going to trust in him, have our mind stay on him. So we're not going to have that peace that he wants for us. So if we're going to make changes, it starts with doing an inventory. And there's no, like, I, I realize that it comes down to some simple things sometimes, you know, of staying in God's word, right? Praying. Uh, but sometimes it's it's the the knowing, right? We know what's right. We know what to do, but we don't do it. There's a major gap in there, right? One of the ones that I would just challenge you with is community, right? We have Rooted going on right now and real marriage going on is get involved in community where you could be authentic with who you are, with a group of other people that you could do life with. What are some other things that, that you guys were challenged with uh, where you're like, I want to... I want to do this thing this week. Anybody? No. Yes. Computer games. All right. Uh, so uh, I, I won't. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I was gonna. I was gonna try to put some guidelines there, but you will figure that out, Bobby. Yes. Okay. So not worrying about the future as much of retirement and. I'm thanking God for today, okay? Uh, if there isn't something that you have in mind, I would challenge you or maybe your neighbor to challenge you to say, hey, what's one thing, right? Take one thing so that sometimes just a small thing can make a massive difference in our life, but we have to choose to make a change. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are the God of peace the God that can sustain us, the God that does bring us through. Lord, I pray that where there's worry, Lord, you would bring in your peace, that you would bring in your hope, that you'd bring in your understanding. Lord, I pray that, Lord, we'd make real changes to become the people that you've designed us to be, to stop living the old life and to start living the new life. Lord, I pray For Pastor Ron, Lord, as he thinks about that exit, Lord, that we know that he will go out in a blaze of glory because he's lived a great life for you. Lord, I pray that when we're 
in our life, going about our day-to-day struggles, that we would have the end in mind, that we would think about how we want to exit, that we want to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbors. Lord, help us to love well, to fear less, and to live for you. In Jesus' name.